0: So today we will be looking at uh, the Holy Spirit and uh, whatever we don't finish today, we'll be looking at the Holy Spirit next, uh, next week. I definitely will not be trying to explain the person of the Holy Spirit because I myself am out of my depth. As a human being, there are certain things, certain points that I could be looking at, but God is so big and so great that unpacking and repacking the Holy Spirit would be impossible. Okay. So I think that we are just about there. See, it's good that we can test the mic while I'm doing part of the intro. Um, Let's... um, Let's begin with a prayer. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you once again. We want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for sending the Holy Spirit. We want to thank you for Jesus coming to save us. And this morning, we'll rely on the Holy Spirit to speak to us through your word and to teach us and to encourage us. Bless this meeting, bless this gathering. We pray for those that are not here that you would bless them also and that your word would be spoken throughout the globe on this day with conviction, with power, with authority. For we ask you and we thank you these in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the Holy Spirit, we can speak about the, the, the person and how that reinteracts with the Father. I think that we have said enough about that over the past 12 months. I'd like to present today, what does the Holy Spirit mean to you? What does the Holy Spirit mean to me? And, uh, and I need to ask you a question, which I will not answer. Why am I not answering the question? Because if I was to ask you, should a baby drink milk? And you say, well, tell us. Uh, I know some people would say no because uh, of their convictions about uh, what they eat and what they don't eat, but don't want to go there. But I think that the answer is obvious. And so I'll be asking you, what do you think in your heart of hearts? Do you think with what you know from the Bible and what you know through Historically, congregations through the church and what you have heard so far, put it all together. And I'd like you to answer this question to yourself. Is it possible? Is it possible for someone to be a Christian and not have the Holy Spirit? Is it possible for a church to exist and be vibrant and not have the Holy Spirit? Is it possible? I will not answer it. I think that that question has to be answered by each one of us. And hopefully, as we progress, the answer, if you don't know the answer, it will be more and more obvious. So, let's go to... uh, the uh, there we go, thank you, um, Holy Spirit, and we will be reading from Acts, I just want to make sure that we got it, yeah, every time I press a button, we will start with Acts 1, we'll read a few verses there, and then we will go to Acts 2. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote to you about that that uh, Jesus began to do and teach ...until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them... He gave them this commandment. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, Are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set for his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speak in their own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each one of us then hears them in our own native language? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Sorry, I'm ahead of... Uh, yeah, okay, sorry. What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said... They have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It is only nine in the morning. No, this is what has spoken the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says... I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. You old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned into darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Then the people heard this, or when the people heard this, they were cut to their hearts and said to Peter and to the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? From this corrupt generation, those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000 of them were added to their number on that day. One interesting thing, I'm not sure whether we paid attention. It's hard sometimes when you read and someone else is reading to focus on, on what the text is saying. But Luke has put it in such a way, he has composed, that the listener, the hearer, or the reader would pay attention. And what, inspired by the Holy Spirit, what Luke said to the disciples, do not go anywhere. Do not leave Jerusalem. Do not do anything until you receive the Holy Spirit. Don't do anything. Don't plan anything. Don't plan where you're going to go. Incidentally, the church at a later stage has left and forgotten and forsaken the Holy Spirit. I'm going to use two examples, terrible, terrible examples from history. There were many examples and I could go to the Orthodox Church, where some of the clergy, some of the popes have made terrible, grave mistakes, where they have acted in their own accord, where they have caused divisions. In fact, the one that has caused the first division in the church was a Pope from the Orthodox Church. He actually literally expelled the bishop from Rome. And that's why we had the Roman and the Orthodox Church. And then, I could have chosen many examples, but I've chosen Pope Stephen VI. There he is on your left. And when he assumed, and he was put as, as Pope in Rome. He exhumed, he, he got uh, Pope uh, Boniface VI had died already for quite some time. He was dead. And he exhumed the body, dressed him in his papal robe. He put him on a judgment seat. So there you see the dead body on the right. And judged him for his sins. And if that wasn't enough, he grabbed a few horses and dragged the body, the dead body of Boniface, and dragged him right throughout Rome, and finally threw him in a Tiber River in Rome. You couldn't possibly tell me that the Holy Spirit was dwelling within the church at that time. Impossible. I'll give you another example. Pope Alexander VI. I don't know what is with the number six. Pope Alexander VI. This is before the Martin Luther King. uh, Martin Luther, my my, my apologies. And so this um, Pope, he fathered many, many children through many, many women. He assassinated many people. He excommunicated many people. By now, uh, Jan Hus and uh, and many others have suffered and died at the hands and at the atrocities that were happening. And he was wrong. And you couldn't tell me that the Holy Spirit was indwelling the church in those days. And you couldn't tell me that today, as many denominations as there are, You couldn't tell me that we could possibly have the church filled with the Holy Spirit, whatever denominations that might be. You couldn't tell me that there was a case. That in many cases, as appalled as we are at this, including all the denominations, there are people that are arrogant, that are speaking things that are not true, that are speaking heresies, that are teaching terrible stuff from the scriptures, and you could not tell me that the church was vibrant when population has doubled in the last 40 years and the church has halved. How does that work? Something is not right. Something in Christianity is failing there was a, uh, a church father who, for whom I, I have a lot of time. His name was Ambrose. And Ambrose compared the Holy, compared the Holy Spirit to a river. He said, the whole, I can only explain to my people that the Holy Spirit is like a river that flows and flows and flows and flows and, flows and it's never ending. Like some of the rivers, the Nile and, 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 and the Amazon and even the Murray River and your own country have flowed for thousands of years and they keep flowing and flowing and flowing. You cannot exhaust them, you cannot drain them. And that was his perspective and he even used some scriptures to describe this and he said uh, that when we look at the Holy Spirit we need to look at Isaiah 31, 33, 21 where he says... Uh, there the Lord will be a mighty one. It will be like a place of broad rivers and streams. No gallery, no sorry, no galley with will ride them. No mighty ship will sail them. In Psalm 46.4, uh, there is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. And in John 7:38, whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from him or from within him. And Ambrose is saying all these scriptures are pointing to the Holy Spirit. All these scriptures are saying that the Holy Spirit is like a river. And he said that if you try to stop the river, if you try to stop the flow, the force of the river will break those barriers. I like that analogy. I think that he's okay in what he says. However, I think, and I'd like to add, that the Holy Spirit is not just that, but the Holy Spirit will take the least obstacle possible way. And That's why rivers wind around. Rivers initially don't force themselves. Another thing that the Holy Spirit forces himself onto anyone or anything. The scripture is quite clear about the Holy Spirit, of how the Holy Spirit works. And I'd like to make an analogy. I'm not sure if it's worth the consideration. But I think, in my understanding, this is how the Holy Spirit works. Can you see what's happening Do you think that sometimes we suppress the Holy Spirit? Do you think that sometimes we actually push the Holy Spirit out in our own lives? Do you think that sometimes we push the Holy Spirit out of the church? Do you think that there are churches now where the Holy Spirit no longer has placed there, has been displaced, has been squashed, has been pushed out? You see, sometimes we think in our own mind as humans that a good program will do the trick. Sometimes we think that maybe a new pastor will change things. Sometimes we think that a new preacher, if he comes from somewhere, things will change. Sometimes we think that maybe if we join some other place that that will do the trick. I can assure you that none of those things without the power of the Holy Spirit will work. It will just end up in failure. Without the Holy Spirit, there is nothing that we can do to succeed. In fact, if we try to succeed without the Holy Spirit, it will be futile because God has not, empowered, has not given us the, the, the power and the authority without Himself to bring the message of salvation, or to even save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. And we cannot save someone else. It is the work of God. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. And unless we understand that, no program that we have, no evangelistic program, no used to people had crusades and, and, and evangelistic crusades, even the name crusade for an evangelistic event. Uh, I don't know where we got that from. Uh, crusades were about killing people. Uh, Now we use crusades to save people. But none of those things will work because it is the power of the Holy Spirit. It is not a denomination. It is not about the name of the place. It is not about the pastor. Um, Michael just mentioned that people that have this place uh, got a new pastor. They're very hopeful. They're very excited. We wish them well. Michael and I said, we wish you very well. We, we, We hope That everything works for the best. And it might work well, but without the power of the Holy Spirit, do you think that Pastor can do anything? Without the power of the Holy Spirit, the meeting that we had yesterday, the leadership of this church, do you think that we can do anything? If the leaders of this church suppress and squash the Holy Spirit, like I'm squashing this spring, do you think that the Holy Spirit will be able to work? I'm full of questions this morning, and I'm sure that in your mind you have the answers. Yeah, I'm sure that if I asked each one of you, you would by now say, "I think so. I think I, I think I'm, I'm I'm clicking with it. I think I'm getting it." And I'll tell you something else. What's happening in your society? And this is from the last census that we had. This is uh, the the last census in in Australia, and look at these. Statistic, look at these numbers. So when they have asked their society, what facilities would you have in your community? What is what your community needs the most? Yeah? Number one, parkland. Number two, free car parks. Number three, community center. Number four, youth center. Number five, food and cafe. Number six, park with play equipment. Number seven, library. Number eight, New local village, number nine. Indoor sports facility, number 10. Leash-free dog park, 11. Local childcare, 12. Outdoor sports facility, church, number 13. What's happening to us? And there seems to be a cycle. If you look at when the reformers came... There was like wildfire, the gospel spread, there were churches being built everywhere, even uh, a lot of the uh, Orthodox and Catholic clergy, they picked up their game and, and there was a revival throughout. And then everything just came collapsing down. And then came the Great War and the Second World War. And I'm just being historical here, but I think that we need to understand these things. And after the Second World War, The gospel just almost collapsed again. Churches were empty. So the Holy Spirit sent, and I give credit to the Holy Spirit, there was no other way, to people like Billy Graham, like Louis Palau, like uh, uh, Franklin Ford, and all those people that got the gospel again to the children of the believers to bring them back, and there was again a revival. And then again, the churches started Falling by the wayside, and so what we did we do? What did we do then next? We came up with ideas. We had uh, the rolling church, the laughing church, uh, the, the the double portion church. We have uh, uh, the prosperity gospel. We tried to reshape the Bible in whichever form to give it to people, but without the Holy Spirit, and the church is failing. So. We had the facilities. These are the services the community needs according to the census that we had. And this is right throughout the Western world. So, number one, we have uh, uh, teen activities for youth groups. Uh, number two, employment support. Number three, counseling and crisis support. Number four, play group and kids clubs. Number five, seminars and social activities for seniors. Number six, Financial seminars, advice, number seven, parenting seminars, number eight, English classes, number nine, relationships seminars and support, and number ten, spiritual input and church services. Number ten. Yeah? And so, we as a church, when we look at it and we look at the programs and how can we engage with the community, what do we do? We fall for the first 10, 12, 13 that are there, and the church comes last. Are we serious? Is that, is that, the, 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 is that how we, we view Christianity? Have we forgotten that we have a powerful God? Have we forgotten that the Holy Spirit has ultimate power? Have we claimed to the Holy Spirit? Have we called upon the Holy Spirit to act in your lives, first of all, in your church and in your community? Because if, if we have failed to do that, then all these things, like all the other things, will fail, will not work. Look at the statistics. Christianity, this is in the last 40 years. Christianity has diminished in Australia by 22%, church attendance 48%, and non religion has escalated to 269%. Our libraries, our Christian libraries, are full of books, of how to run church, of programs, of ideas. We are full of ideas. We never had a church that had more ideas than what we have now. That's why I don't have to have an idea. You see, that's why none of us have to have an idea. All you have to go is go to a bookshop and purchase an idea and try to implement it in your church. Great idea. Just get people to vote and go for it and see what happens. And that's the result. Why? Because I believe that we are a christian community in this country and also in the western world have left out the holy spirit what do you mean left out the holy spirit i think apostle paul knew about this and he said in first thessalonians five sixteen, rejoice always that gives them at least a whole bunch of things there you know like do goods and, 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 and what should be done, what shouldn't be done. Rejoice always. Uh, pray continually. That's number two. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is uh, God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So that's number three. Number four, do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on what is good and reject every kind of evil. What does it mean to quench the Holy Spirit. Is it not this? Is it possible? Is it possible for me as a Christian? Is it possible as you as a Christian to actually push out the Holy Spirit out of your own life? Is it possible? Apostle Paul thinks that it is. Not only that, He wrote to Ephesians, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Remember the first question that I asked, can I possibly be a Christian? Is it possible for me to be a Christian without the Holy Spirit? Does that answer it? Is it possible? You see, sometimes we think that We can do it. We are smart enough. We don't need God. Isaiah 63.10 By the way, do you know that the Holy Spirit is not a thing to the New Testament? The Holy Spirit is also all over the Old Testament. They rebelled and grieved His Holy Spirit. So he turned and became their enemy, and he himself fought against them. I know that we think this is, oh, this is Israel stuff. Really? Is that all? Is it possible that our churches today in the Western world, we have people, Christians, that think that we can do it without the Holy Spirit? You see, we have we have tried to work out the Holy Spirit. We say, yeah, you know, prophecies, and that, that was for the time of the apostles. So that's out. Uh, we, we're not going to promote too much about the Holy Spirit in His church because what happens if people start rolling on the church or, or the floor? What happens if people start, you know, uh, whatever ideology we might have? What could happen? Should the Holy Spirit come through the door? I mean, we are afraid. We fear, and in fact, most Christians. Don't, are scared don 't want to even think about what happens if the Holy Spirit was to go like a, like a mighty rushing wind i 'm not sure whether we paid attention to um, i 'll go back to the first passage that we were, uh, that we were looking at and um, it says that the Holy Spirit uh, came like a um, in verse 2 suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting i think that uh, that's a scary stuff you know maybe the holy spirit can come you know in a mild way you know touch you know everyone and, and you know tickle your heart your mind and 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 that's good you know because this is too much for me you know can you imagine this place starts shaking in fact every time that god gives something of great value just like the law was given in Mount Sinai, the place was shaking, there was smoke, there was, uh, uh, there was a cloud, and, and there was all these things where people could see. Now, when he gives his spirit, it's in a very similar manner. They're also on, 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 on the Temple Mount this time, not on Mount, um, on Mount Sinai. And there is a violent wind that comes and fills the house where they were sitting. So they were very much like you are. Uh, I'm not sure whether anyone was standing, as I'm standing, and uh, but people were sitting, and this wind fills the house, and they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated. So he's saying something came up from heaven, and all of a sudden it started to separate, and people were speaking in in some strange language, and those that heard about this uh, in town, uh, it says now they were saying in Jerusalem, God fearing Jews from every nation of the heaven. Uh, you think that sometimes I exaggerate, yeah? Uh, is that an exaggeration? What he's trying to say there were people from everywhere. He's trying to get a point. There were, there were people from under every nation, under heaven. And when they heard this sound, what sound? What sound did they hear? Can you say it a bit louder? Mm. Something happened. And then they came and heard each one speaking in their tongue. And then we go back through the process again. We went through that. And they convicted and they asked what, they were cut to their heart and they said, what shall we do and what happened? How many got edited day? 3,000. What should we text, send an email to look what sort of program they used for this? Huh? Bible program, which Bible college they went to, maybe which bookstore they got it from, yeah? Because that's the way that we think. Really? I think what we need to do, I'm not telling you what to do, but I know what I have to do. Go back to basics. I'm not sure what basics are anymore. People talk about it. Everyone's got some different basics these days. What I need to do in my life is stop doing this and allow the Holy Spirit to fill my life. Irrelevant irrelevant what whoever and whenever and whichever way people may think and take it. Would you like that in your life? Would you like the Holy Spirit to fill you like never before? Have you been afraid of this thing, of the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen? Don't be afraid. It, I don't think that anything is going to happen that you, you know, will not be able to handle, or God will not be able to handle. I don't know what word of wisdom, what word of prophecy, what dream you're going to have. I don't want to put the Holy Spirit in a box, but the moment that you allow and give room to the Holy Spirit in your life, your life will change. And my life will change. And the life of this place will change. Two things to remember. Do not quench the Holy Spirit. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. We'll continue next week, Yeah. May the Lord bless his word. I'd like to ask Uncle Martin, or Brother Martin, to please come up. And she...